0: right, how about that opening? Thank you. Let us begin. In the most holy name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, the All-Wise, true and living God, the God who was to come and has come, as all the prophecies have foretold, the God who came to us in the person of Master Farad Muhammad the one that, who is expected in all of the sacred traditions. But as we, I guess, tried to convey last night, even though the world has been expecting God, there was only one who recognized him while God was in his disguise. That one we speak of is the man who fits all of those messianic prophecies of that one who would be raised by God. That one who would be given the secrets of God. And of course that is none other than the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. The man who the leaders of this world will do everything within their power to keep the people from knowing the truth of. But we thank almighty God Allah for his constant intervention He didn't just come and leave, he came and he left something so that his presence remains among us. So we thank him for continuing his love, continuing his guidance, continuing his strength, continuing his promised victory by leaving with us the man whom we know today as that champion of truth, that other messiah, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. Dear brothers, Sisters of Phoenix, let me greet you again. As-salamu alaykum. My wife told me don't be going down there in Phoenix trying to show out. So I'm going to try not to. But y'all make it hard for a brother. All of these nice words and, my I man just, and I have to say something about my dear brother, Brother Haleen, because when I came in the nation, did I greet y'all yet? Okay. When I came in the nation in the somewhat early 90s as a teenager, I was noticing, I was getting all of these tapes of the minister because I'm like so, so hungry and I'm on fire. So I'm buying these VHS tapes and I'm watching tapes of the minister daily. And when you do that, you get to see some of the different ministers and helpers of the minister from around the nation. In the opening lineups, and on quite a few occasions, as the minister was traveling amid the East Coast, I would see these fireball ministers of the Honorable Minister Farah Khan. And in those lineups, I would often see this uh, this beautiful brother who who seems like a professor. You know, he, he he's so smart and, and and so beautiful, and and his spirit is so overwhelming. You know. Y- y'all know who I'm talking about? <laughs> D- did I do him good? <laughs> but what I noticed then, and I noticed now, was a brother with a magnificent spirit and who in my judgment, even back then, caught my attention and other brothers' attention who was looking at that and was like, yeah, that's that brother, Halim out of Buffalo. That's that smart brother right there. And it just so happened, last. Not last night, the night before last, I um, had, you know some stuff playing on YouTube, watching the minister, and you know how sometimes it'll automatically play the next video based on what you watch. And it just so happened I saw the end because I was waking up. it was playing overnight. <laughs> and another video had started, and it was a video of the minister called Doing for Self, gets you the help of God. And you had these fireball ministers in the opening lineup. One was Conrad and Brother Sister society. Had all these fireballs, and then there was that beautiful brother that came up with no notes, with that beautiful spirit. You know, the one I was just trying to portray. And, and, and you know, I came to the Nation of Islam, and I, I didn't know. I, I was an atheist, and, you know. <laughs> but, oh, look. Listening to the spirit and words of this beautiful brother, I actually started crying a little bit. Just a little bit now. Don't be telling nobody. I'm just a little bit, but I'm not one of those brothers to be crying and stuff like that a lot. I'm not, you know. I mean, I'm a very compassionate brother, but you know, outside of the honorable Minister Farrakhan, ain't too many dudes can say some stuff that I'm like, you know. But some got to me the other morning. And I think it's only a testament of not just Brother Haleen, but of the spirit and power that we have right here in Phoenix. The way y'all did it big yesterday, man, y'all just showing out around here, man. Good Lord. Look, I'm gonna go back to Memphis, boy. Look, I'm gonna be a little snobbish. I'm gonna come back to Memphis. They're gonna be mad at me, like, I'm gonna let them, you peasants. I just left the white carpet world premiere. <laughs> no, but I'm so, so overwhelmingly grateful for the work, the spirit, and the help that uh, we have been exhibiting as of late, and I think it's only the beginning. All right, I guess, y'all ready for me to preach now? Okay, let's, let's try to get into this thing. So our topic today, brothers and sisters, is God's evidence. And a uh, subtitle has to do a little bit with why scholars and leaders tend to run away from this topic. And it's really hypocritical because this is arguably, when I say this, I'm talking about what they call the UFO phenomena and its direct connection to the nation of Islam. This arguably could be considered the most newsworthy topic on earth. Now I have some background in journalism and there are things that we look at, certain criteria that determines the newsworthiness of a topic. It has to do with like how truthful it is, how impactful it is, how much reach it has, Sister Charlene, our great journalist from the Final Call newspaper who graced us with her presence last night and this weekend, you know. (laughs) (laughs) These journalists and Brother Joshua, you can be put in that category too because the People's Podcast, man, is blowing up the internet, so. (laughs) Yeah. And and while I'm on that, I have to give a big, almost like a shout out. I ain't got to the lecture yet, but almost like a shout out to my brother who I just met him on the internet literally a month ago. And you know how it is with believers, man. You can meet somebody and it's like, okay, we, we, we clicking right here. And it met this another beautiful young brother who's a filmmaker, film director out of Hollywood, and he really hadn't been in the ranks that long. And that's my brother, Brother Romel. Can you stand for his brother Ramel? <laughs> Thank you, man. Very talented and gifted brother. I wish I had known him before I was doing all that toil and working hard on these documentaries. Could have had some help from somebody that knew a little something, you know. But I'm so (laughs) grateful. But I was talking about how this is arguably perhaps the most newsworthy topic on earth because of its global impact, because of its impact on politics, because of its impact in human interest. And here we are, this little nation of Islam, telling the world, look, we know exactly what this is. We got the answers. Why y'all keep running from us? Yes, sir. Yet you have militaries and governments all around the world spending money, your taxpayer dollars, billions upon billions upon billions to study, to monitor, and even try to counteract these crabs. Yet, you don't hear nobody bring us up. All the religions talk about God coming with some heavenly aircraft, but no religion talks about it in the real world except the nation of Islam. But you don't want to talk to us. So I'm going on here. So we used to be kind of nice with this topic, easing up on the people like, you know, we in the Nation of Islam have the answers to this. I think it would be wise if you listened and heard us out, but I think we're living in a day and time where we can start calling folks out now. Yeah, right. If you're not trying to find out and come to us about this, you're a hypocrite, yeah. straight up. Look, it is intellectually negligent. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It is academically hypocritical. Yeah. Because if you are to delve into a subject and you are showing concern about a subject but you refuse and you constantly neglect the primary source of this subject matter, you are a hypocrite. You are dumb. You're trying to hide something. So yeah, that's the kind of spirit that we're taking on today. Because the whole world has been wanting answers about this phenomenon. And quite frankly, the nation of Islam has the answers. I want to start with the man who's been given the secrets and the answers to this thing firsthand that they don't want to tell you about. And again, I'd like to use these words from the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad from the Theology of Time lecture series to give us a foundation as to how we should take on this subject. The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad states, and we quote, he says, We must have a man today to teach us. He didn't say preach in this sense. He said we must have a man today to teach us who knows and doesn't guess. Now we're talking about a knowledge-based, fact-based, data-driven type of revelatory teaching. I said some big words that time, didn't it, Brother (laughs) man? We no more are going to rely on guessing and theories. When it comes to this topic of so-called UFOs, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam are not people who approach this topic as guessers. We do not approach this global phenomena as you know, skeptics or people just theorizing about what we think this is or what we believe this is based on our religious interpretations. That's not where we're coming That's from. Right. we straight right. letting you know that we are the primary source of this yeah. phenomena, and we're coming from a man who knows yeah. and does not guess. Right. 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 So we are saying even to the naysayers and skeptics and critics, if you are in this room, you are very welcome to be here because you can approach this body of knowledge just as you would any other so-called academic or secular yes. body of knowledge. Right. 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 See, that's why you don't have no excuse not to bear witness to the honorable Minister Farrakhan and the honorable Elijah Muhammad. Because some people wanna use the excuse where you know that's not my religion and therefore I'm not gonna listen to y'all because y'all not my religion. Okay, you don't have to be of somebody's religion or We don't even have to come from a religious perspective if you want to be like that. If you want to be just straight scientific and secular, we can do that, too. Because the facts will still point you this way. (laughs) Don't play. So, Allah and the Holy Quran corroborates the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's position because Allah warns us as believers to make sure that we are not stupid. Allah tells us in the Quran, he says, bismillahirrahmanirrahim, and follow not that of which thou hast no knowledge. Surely the hearing and the sight and the heart of all of these, it will be asked. Don't follow that you don't have no knowledge about now. Now, Allah does want us to walk by faith, but remember, faith is not empty faith. Faith is not empty rhetoric. Faith is still based on some substance and some evidence. So you still have to have some knowledge to ground your faith in. And Allah is warning us, look, don't be stupid. Don't be following stuff you don't know nothing about now. Come on now. Because in the end, you will be required to use your hearing. That's going to be asked about you. Did, Did it make sense when you heard it? Was it at least in line with the sacred revelations? Absolutely. Yes, sir. D- did you see something that made sense? Did it make some sense to yes, you? Yes, sir. Because all of these is going to be used, you, your sight, your hearing, your heart, your level yes. of thinking. Right. Did you even think about it before you started following up behind these theories? Yes, sir. The Heck, you're going to come up to us talking about some green aliens, and we the ones told you about where these crabs come from. Yes, sir. <laughs> Don't follow that which you have no knowledge. How you gonna come up to us talking about a spook God? That's right. That's right. See, that's why religion don't like the Nation of Islam, boy. <laughs> they don't like us, brother. <laughs> because even if you say you believe in Allah, Allah wants He gives us some evidence to go by now. So here you are saying that we're not the true Muslims because we believe God is a man. But but God told you, to look, what what you believe in. Who said I was some ethereal, formless, shapeless, nothing that you described? Don't follow that which you have no knowledge. knowledge. Muslim world. (laughs) So now let's get to this thing. Let's run down this history. And I'm going to try to be quick because I heard y'all real sticklers on time when they come over here on the West Coast, boy. I said, y'all be wanting to fight. I'm slick scared a little bit. Everywhere else I go, man, you know, they gladly, oh, please, brother, take as much time as you need. Look, even the minister, when I was in Chicago some months ago, I was very cautious of the time and I had asked the people for like about five minutes, you know, and the minister was listening and he sent a note directly with an exclamation mark on it that said, brother, you take as much time as you need, exclamation mark. I'm just saying now. So if, if I go a little bit over, I mean, I'm just, I had to use that card, brother. All I'm asking is that if I go over a little bit, can y'all not jump me? That's all That's all I'm asking. Just today now. I don't get to be in Phoenix every day, so can I enjoy the Valley of the Sun? Just a little bit, please. I'm, yeah, man, I heard y'all. Hard. And it'd be the sisters, the main ones. my God. (laughs) But let's go to this subject matter that is inherently connected to the nation of Islam. I'm going to try to run this part down real quick. But in short, God came in person. I'm going to try to run it down in about a minute or two. God came in person just like the scriptures foretold to a people and to a place that warranted God's visitation because his people had been destroyed and in bondage and still held captive to their oppressors. So God comes to this people in disguise. He raises one, Elijah Muhammad, and he gives Elijah Muhammad proof of his supreme presence and power. Among those proofs is the fact that he pointed out to Elijah Muhammad his heavenly warcraft, that huge Wheel-shaped object, a half a mile by a half a mile, with 1,500 smaller wheel-shaped planes, all of which is in fulfillment of the divine prophecies of God's coming with his heavenly armament to render judgment on the world. I did that in under two minutes, didn't I? So that's the gist. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad makes it plain. He is the only man that says he was taught by God. Now, you know, in the Holy Quran, it gives us a description of the Messiah. And one of those key descriptors is the fact that he will be taught by Allah, not just inspired, not just moved. And, you know, no, this is the only individual that I know of in the scriptures who will be literally taught by Allah. He will be taught the wisdom and the Quran and the, which is the book and the Torah and the gospel and the wisdom thereof. Because obviously the people who've had these sacred texts for thousands of years don't have the full wisdom. This is why God will teach this one, the Messiah, who will be taught by God, Allah. Now if we just took that one descriptor right there we can settle the whole messiah talk right now. Right, right. Because Elijah Muhammad is the only leader of significance on this planet who even makes the claim of right. being taught by God. Yes, right. 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 Absolutely. So, heck, if you even just ignore him and he's the only one that even makes the claim yes. and you don't even want to study what the man said, yes. you are straight up hypocrite, yes. man. That is foolish, because if you do study that man and what he left, what he taught, you will have no reasonable conclusion other than to bear witness that man had to have met God. Yes. But here's a man who, before the UFO phenomena even became a thing, he's like, "Look, God showed me this," and he's the only one. The Nation of Islam to this day remains the only group to give specific definitive details about these crafts. That's why everybody else calls them unknown objects. Unknown anomalous phenomena, you know? So again, even the few historians that have dared to delve into this topic, and don't you know, if you were to look in the academic journals and things like that, there are only maybe a handful of scholars who have even taken on the subject to look at UFOs and the nation of Islam. One of which is this man, Michael Lieb, which you've heard about, uh, who wrote the book Children of Ezekiel, yeah. the Jewish author, yeah. Jewish professor. And he stated, now he's a, he studies history, he studies humanity and all of that. And he is one of the few to openly publish and admit that he said that the mother plane is the vehicle to which Elijah Muhammad first bore witness at the very outset of his career. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's stating something that's super deep, but we do give him credit for being bold enough to uh, you know, right. publish it now. Right. 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 Because all the other UFO researchers and historians, they bear witness, but they do it in their own way they don't outright say, yes, Elijah Mohammed and that nation of Islam were the first to talk about this. They just say things like this, the UFO phenomena seemed to begin in the late 1940s. (laughs) Almost 20 years after the nation had already inaugurated this reality to the modern world. Now here's from the, US Air Force Research Department. Now this is, but Nation of Islam taught this before the so-called U.F. phenomena became a thing. This is not the Honorable Minister Farrakhan's Research Department, this is the US Air Force Research Department who published their research and they know something about their encounters with the UFO phenomena. And they state that the modern preoccupation with what ultimately came to be called unidentified flying objects or UFOs actually began in June of 1947. Uh-oh. What's first? June of 1947 or 1929 when, these, when this plane launched? Okay. What's first? 1947 or early 1930s when Elijah Muhammad was shown these things? You, you see how they do They say that although some pro-UFO researchers argue that sightings of UFOs go back to biblical times, most researchers will not dispute that anything in UFO history can compare with the UFO phenomena that began in 1947. So they acknowledge, yes, some people say that UFOs were in biblical times because you hear about these prophets describing God and his angels in some type of heavenly flying crafts. But what every scholar and historian knows, in truth, whether they say it or not, is that the stuff you read in the Bible cannot be taken as actual history. Because we know, as students of the Honorable Minister Farrakhan and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that most of what we read is prophecy, right? Right. Right. So when you read all these stories, and whether it's Ezekiel and all of these prophets who saw God coming in some heavenly flying crafts, That didn't happen then. That's prophecy. And even if you did think it happened then, there's no way you can, you know, um, verify it historically. So there's a difference between history and prophecy. By the way, that's kind of why they're called prophets. Because they prophesy of things to come. Duh. (laughs) And this is why this is a huge problem for religion. That's why this topic has posed a huge problem in the religious world. Y'all remember that sighting back in 2011? It made, it made national attention, but then you hadn't heard nothing about it since, have you? And I think it was interesting because that particular sighting over the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem was a site that's sacred to all the major faith traditions. Judaism, Christianity, Islam. And you saw one of these wheels and it was captured on multiple, multiple people captured the same thing. So they couldn't try to deny it and say, well, this was a a drone or, you know, no, they just, man, that was something. Back to your local news. uh. But this is a problem in religion. In the Judaic tradition, in the Old Testament, You have all of these scriptures talking about God in the sky. I'm reminded of one in the book of Deuteronomy where it says that there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. Let me say that again. Let me say it in my preacher voice this time. Now, 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 there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, amen, and who who rideth upon the heaven in thy help. I forgot y'all not church folk over (laughs) here, man. Told you y'all ain't no fun, man. But look at that. Who rides it? God rides. God got a whip. (laughs) Now, how he rides it, you know, that's up to your imagination. I have this idea. But that's that's just me. You know, I could be totally wrong. But the fact is, you have a God that rides on something in the heavens apparently it's excellent too maybe it's as the honorable Elijah Muhammad described a masterpiece of mechanics you hear all these times where the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him and proclaimed the name of the Lord so how, how the Lord descend in the clouds unless he's in some type of vehicle see it's almost like you're not even allowed to ask these basic questions in religion you know what I mean And mostly because the preacher can't answer them. The rabbi really can't answer these. Not as long as you subscribe to that spook God theory. Because there's no way that you can reconcile that spook God belief with the scriptures that you claim to believe in. So the scriptures we even claim to believe in would not make any sense at all unless you know that God is a man. Often throughout the Old Testament, you will hear terms like this that I just found out not too long ago what it actually meant. You will hear terms like this and the glory of the Lord did this and the glory of the Lord descended here and there and the glory of the Lord left over the temple. And now I'm thinking glory means something, you know, like majestic. That's how I look at it, you know, and the majesty of the Lord, you know. But that word glory in the Old Testament comes from a Semitic term, kavod, sometimes kabod, which has to do with something that is weighty and has mass. That term glory refers to a physical something because it is described in the Old Testament as moving, as emitting fire, as flying, as changing colors, as making sounds, the glory of the Lord. Moses saw some of God's glory and was scared of it because it's dangerous. I found out that many of the rabbis who knew this kind of stuff often understand this glory of the Lord to be a war vessel. This is why you also throughout the Old Testament hear terms like this, and the Lord of hosts. Another thing, I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was like a host, like a host of parties. I don't know. Like God is good. He's nice. He's the Lord of hosts. (laughs) But oh, when you start looking into those words, as the lesson says, and there's more to be understood in the words. So in the word, Lord of hosts, it comes from a phrase. Yahuwah, like Jehovah, Yahuwah Saba, which means the Lord of Armies. So he's described as the Lord of Armies because when he's depicted in the scriptures as being on these heavenly thrones and in the clouds, he is often described as being flanked by some angels, an army of angels, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of Armies. So this is why Moses said that God is a man of war. But look, they kept this from the people. Some of the rabbis have known this. But they don't, look, they don't teach that in the synagogue. Certainly don't teach that in the church. And unfortunately, they don't teach it in the Islamic tradition. Even though the Islamic tradition bears witness that the angels of Allah will be flanking his throne, going round about, singing his praises. Look, you got to be straight up foolish not to bear witness to the Honorable Minister Farrakhan and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Look, we can't be nice too much longer now. Look, you can't get away with being dumb too long. Or playing dumb anyway. Well, I, I, I didn't know that, but you claim to be a preacher. You claim to be a scientist and a scholar and a historian, but you just missed all this. Oh, you're down south where I'm from. If you ain't talking about Jesus, they ain't trying to hear you. <laughs> but oh, let's move to the old, the new testament. Move to the gospel. <laughs> and the God of Jesus also flies something in the sky, he has heavenly aircraft described as a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. I'm reminded in the book of Galatians it talks about this new Jerusalem as being above and is free. Free of what? Free of the corruption of this world. Free from the control and foolishness of this world. And it is above. What that? You mean as a city that's above? How you do that? It is also described as the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Then and later, it describes it as being the mother of us all in Galatians. The mother, a city described in this motherly term, D- that's up in the sky somewhere, right, right. where God lives. Man, religion would not make sense without the nation yes. of Islam. Yes, None. Everybody believe in Jesus, right? Yes. At least in the Muslim and Christian world. Whoa! Oh, remember Al Green. I know that everything is gonna be alright. He's coming back. Mm-mm-mm. Like he said he would. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I had some church folk around here. Be tr- trying to play like y'all are all so- sophisticated Muslims. Oh I, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you, you you see all the 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 former Christian come out of the Muslims, especially around Christmas time. It'd be the hardest Muslims, boy, that, the ones that eat stones. Yes, right. You hear some of them Christmas songs, boy, what's that? Temptations. Right. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> but Jesus, that we all believe in, he leaves on a cloud, and he's expected to return in like manner. And then you get to the Muslim world. And see, these are the ones that we really have to look at because they're the main ones that say that you are not through Muslims. This is not through Islam. Oh, it's for the law, it's for the law. These are the main ones who oppose the reality of God is a man. And you know that they were the ones that mocked us for this teaching on the mother plane. And these wheels. It's just un-Islamic. When the new leadership came up in the nation of Islam, they described this teaching as being mythical, as being fantastic, you know, fantasy stuff. Yeah. But see, that was before all the evidence came. Now that all the evidence is here that proves that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and Minister Farrakhan have been right and exact the whole time, you don't even hear the Muslim world bring this up, do you? Do I sound too harsh when I say they're hypocrites? Okay. But Allah tells us that he has his throne of power that he's established on. And this throne is above the waters. It has location. It flies. You will see the angels round about it. All of these physical characteristics of Allah's throne. And if you saw the documentary last night, you saw how the Muslim world is baffled by this in the Quran. They don't believe that you're even supposed to question it. That's how they came up, the ulema, the Muslim scholars, that's how they came up with that phrase, bilakef, which means, look, we ain't going to ask how it's done. We, we don't know how it's done. We just going to believe it. Contra- contradicting what Allah tells us, and follow not that which you have no knowledge. Yes, sir. Right. See, this is why the Muslim world, they set themselves up for failure, because all of the prophecies that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave the Muslim world that's pointing them to expect God's visitation, to expect God in human form. To expect God to arrive, to expect him to have his arash, his throne of power. But since you closed off in the name of following the scholars, since you closed off even delving into the subject matter, now you missed the fulfillment of everything the prophet was pointing you to. Because you closed your mind completely. And because you racist as heck. That's right, right. Oh, you Arabs racist as heck. Yes, absolutely. So even if you did say you believe in the prophet, and you tried to open up your mind to what the prophet was pointing you to, when you see that it's coming from these black folks, yes. the children of slaves, right. now you really close your mouth. Oh, yes. stuck for law. Yes, sir. Hypocrite. I'm going to run through the history again. And I think I might be out of here before time, so y'all don't have to beat me up, <laughs> sisters. <laughs> they the main ones, boy. Now, you know that in the early 30s, the nation of Islam was the only ones talking about this, only ones on record, on historical record, talking about this reality, which is why they called us a voodoo cult. One of the reasons why they called us a voodoo cult and they realized that these Muslims who were just, we couldn't control these black folks, these Muslims, Muslims, as they were calling us, they started looking into, you know, what's behind the Muslims acting the way that they were. And they realized that it was the teachings of Master Father Muhammad, and what he was teaching these people. Teaching these black, poor black people about a wheel and, all of this stuff. And so the sociologists then said that as a result of the teachings of this cult, they have gained a new conception of themselves. See, they don't, they don't see themselves as Negroes anymore. They see themselves as gods. Who the heck told these people they gods? And they regard themselves as superior rather than inferior to other people. See, this is the 1930s where the sociologists and the behavioral scientists and the psychologists understood that there's an expectation for you to stay in your place, nigger. So when these black folks started getting out of their place, oh, who's behind this? And then they find it's this almost white-looking man teaching these poor black people something. And that's when he found out, man, he's teaching them some crazy stuff. He's teaching them about some (laughs) wheel, spaceship, mother's plane, (laughs) voodoo cult. You see? And in a sense, they kind of disregarded, you know, to to a certain degree. They realized that Master Father Muhammad is causing all this influence in Detroit. And because he has this white-looking features, They just told him, i just get out of the city. Now, if he was dark-skinned, black-looking, oh, let's kill him, put him under the jail. In their mind. But you see why he came in sinful flesh. It gave him the opportunity to do what he needed to do among us and lay the foundation that we are standing on to this day. All praise is due to Allah who came in the person of Master Father Muhammad. So they called us a voodoo cult in the 30s until 10 years or so later, they encountered one of these crafts for themselves in what became known as the Battle of Los Angeles. February 25th, 1942, and y'all have heard this story before where one of these wheels, well, some of them, one of them was bigger than the rest of them, came amidst the clouds over the coast of Los Angeles. It alerted the US armed forces who came and tried to intercept these crafts And started firing some rounds, over 1,400 rounds of anti-aircraft artillery. And all these rounds didn't do nothing to the bigger wheel or the smaller wheels that was up in the clouds. Scared the heck out of the government and military. Left all kind of damages over Los Angeles. And they wanted to know what the heck is this. General George Marshall and President Roosevelt at the time. You know they were on high alert, they went on an all-out investigation both militarily and in government, they tried to see if it was a foreign adversary, perhaps Japan, perhaps Germany, we don't know, let's find out where this came from, but they realized that that craft was eons superior than anything they could think of. So at a certain point they realized, now if it was Japan or Germany or some foreign adversary, They could have easily took us over with that kind of technology. So what was it? It was almost like this technology came just to show off that there's a superior power. Kind of like a calling card, if you will. Just to let you know, man, look, y'all can't mess with this. Look, I'm, I'm on scene. God is present now. See? investigations ensued and of course ultimately all those investigations led to the only people on record teaching about this which is why under the direction of the president the federal government Elijah Muhammad this unarmed man and some of his unarmed followers were arrested and targeted and isn't it interesting that once they had him behind closed doors the FBI, the most powerful government in the world, they are questioning Elijah Muhammad about these wheels. Think about that. Of all the things you can question him about, yes, his his rhetoric seemed to be subversive. But hey, you can find anybody whose rhetoric seems to be opposing the government. Right, right. But you're gonna. Uh, expend all of these government resources to get an unarmed man and question him about a myth? So you're talking about an extensive interrogation about these crafts, and they're asking Elijah Muhammad about it, and he lets them know exactly what it is, what it's here for, and how he represents that power. And he said in words, the white man admitted to me that they've seen it, but they can't get to her. They can't get to this wheel. (laughs) You can try all you want. You can lock me up, throw away the key. You still can't do nothing about these wheels. And while they had them locked up, these wheels were still manifesting their presence on the global scene. Because America was going through wars in the 40s when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was locked up. And in these theaters of war, around the globe, they would see these balls, what they described as balls of fire that they called Foo Fighters. And different countries were seeing them and they were wondering, man, is, is this the Americans? And Americans wonder, are this the Japanese? These are the Germans? All of them scared. But hundreds of billions of dollars have been spent. And then I noticed, when you check out the FBI files on the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you will find that throughout these files, it is quite frequent that the FBI is showing their concerns about these wheels. I think somebody asked that question last night. And it's interesting to note that the FBI found the case of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad to be so important that they classified him with all these special categories. If you look at the declassified files, which is on public record, you'll find that in many cases, they classified Elijah Mohammed as, I saw these initials or these words, DETCOM, D-E-T-C-O-M, which was short for Detained as Communist. (laughs) Also, you will see when they're talking about the Nation of Islam, They wouldn't, at a certain point, they would say NOI, but often they would use the term MCA. I'm like, what's that? Muslim cult of America. (laughs) So you know, you're dealing with an FBI that's already hostile toward us. Yes, sir. You know? But it's interesting that the case of Elijah Muhammad is so severe in their eyes, particularly his teachings about these wheels that they felt necessary to try to get more information and help from the State Department and the CIA as it relates to the case of Elijah Muhammad. Now, if you know anything about government, even though these are different branches and departments, for the most part, they don't like to intermingle or cross over too much with each other. CIA often deals with foreign affairs and things, and FBI deals largely with domestic affairs. State Department deals with other, you know, internal and external affairs. But the FBI is like, look, can, in another place, they say, can y'all furnish some, give us some information on this Elijah Muhammad? Like, he's just that important. The nation of Islam is just that important. You are just that important because you are with the national representative of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, who is the top priority on the government's list. That's right. Because they know his relationship with these wheels. And because, especially when they had the Honorable Elijah Muhammad incarcerated, this was an attempt to silence him. And while they had him behind bars, now they could work on their misinformation campaign. And this is why, you know, I told you I I coined a term in my book, UFOs and the Nation of Islam. I call it preemptive propaganda, which is what I use to describe the government and media's tactic when they have the people so conditioned that when you or the public see these wheels for themselves, as they constantly do, the people will be conditioned not to associate these wheels with the God that brought these wheels for them. But instead, you would associate these wheels to some fictitious aliens that don't even exist. And you have to admit that the government and the media have been quite clever in their campaign. So most people, when they see them, when they hear talk, they automatically assume some aliens. And have no basis of evidence to even assume that. And follow not that which you have no knowledge. That's right. Oh Allah, well, thank you. <laughs> Giving us some common sense Absolutely. and supreme wisdom. Yes, but while the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was incarcerated, that's when they worked on their misinformation campaign. So, right afterwards, in the 1950s, that's when all those UFO related flying saucer related movies hit the scene. And the historians acknowledge that when they said that the popularity of movies like The War of the Worlds and The Day the Earth Stood Still as well as that of a number of other films including The Thing from Another World, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers helped make the 1950s a watershed decade for ufology. these movies didn't come about to the 1950s. You don't even have too many movies where it talks about these wheel shaped crafts. There yeah, you got plenty movies and stories about monsters and things that fly, but particularly these disc shaped, orbital, circular crafts, they all came out in the 50s. It became a watershed decade of, u- of ufology in cinema. But with all that they tried, they still cannot and cannot cover up the reality of these wheels. Because people are asking questions. And every time there were mass sightings, and people see them all daily now, but back then, like this case in D.C. over 1952, they actually had it on film, you know, where thousands of residents saw these wheels flying over the Capitol. And then the General, I think his name was Samford, John Samford, held a press conference about these wheels, and the press conference became known in UFO history as like the big press conference flap. Because this dude came before the public and tried to explain this away, what all these thousands of residents saw. Yeah! And they tried to assert it as being some meteorological phenomena. You you didn't see that. (laughs) It was some type of just meteorological phenomena where these planes flew in formation over these cities and did this and that. You, You don't know what you're talking about. And that has become the common practice ever since. And then, to add to that misinformation campaign, they started developing these new theories. So in the late 60s, early 70s, theories about what these UFOs are and how they come from out of space and some ancient aliens, astronauts, and all of this type of stuff. And these theories is what gets all the airtime. And what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, you need a man who knows and doesn't uh, guess. Yes. We don't need a man to come give us theories. Right. We need a man who knows. Yes, and Elijah Muhammad knows what yes, this right. is. Right. 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 But we're going to overlook the man who can answer this. Right. And we're going to subscribe to some theories that don't make sense. Right. Ancient alien astronauts. But what they, you know, there's always some truth mixed with falsehood. Because you hear people talking about Anunnaki and all this type of stuff. Now, they would describe stories, ancient stories. That's like saying all those ancient Greek myths and stuff, like taking that literally. So you read about these Anunnaki in the Sumerian text and stuff like that. You have literally stories. And then not only are these stories of some people, but people today give their interpretation of stories. So it's adding pound, compounding lies upon lies. But what part of this Anunnaki stuff is, is just talking about the original man. Because the honorable Elijah Muhammad did state that our people, the original man, did have ancient um, civilizations that were vast and just as superior as today's civilization. We had flight technology. Remember the honorable Elijah Muhammad said that we had these, some similar planes, not the exact same as today, but some similar planes to these wheels years and years and years ago. They were used to raise up mountains and all this type of stuff. So we had technology, but the black man has fallen. And the honorable Elijah Muhammad let us know that that wisdom would be buried while the devil would rule. So our fathers, knowing that this new man was coming to rule our planet for a period of time, we buried all that technology. We buried that wisdom. We buried those civilizations. So they're buried under the jungles. They're buried under the desert sands. Some of them are buried under the sea. That's why you hear them talk about this stuff, you know, the lost cities of Atlantis and all of this. You know, there's always some truth mixed with falsehood, but the concept is real. Yes, sir. And they know that. That's why white folks are always digging everywhere they go. Hmm. I wonder what this is. You <laughs> see? <laughs> the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, long before the white man himself was even part of our planet, We were the original people ruling the earth. And according to the Holy Quran, we had governments superior to any we are experiencing today. So that didn't stop them from continuing their misinformation campaign. So they came up with these theories, and they came up with this whole alien concept. And in our research, we kind of was able to pinpoint where they even got the ideas of these aliens came from. Much of it came from the old fictional author, H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells, who was a fictional author, wrote these stories and sci-fi kind of stories back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And in his 1901 book, The First Men on the Moon, he described people from the moon as having gray skin, big heads, and large black eyes. Now, the alien concept of being attributed to UFOs, that didn't even become a thing until I think the 60s or 70s. Yeah, but where did they get the concept from? Hmm. Let's get this from H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells also wrote another article titled Man of the Year Million, where he described humanity being transformed into a race of gray-skinned beings who became stunted with big heads. See, the white man is so clever at distracting the people from reality. Yes. See, he will have you thinking of an enemy, of a devil that either lives underground somewhere, that's like poltergeist, hops in you in some spirit, have your head spinning around, vomiting green vomit, crawling up walls. See, you think that's devil yes. while he ruling the world. We think your enemies and all this stuff is some abstract, you know, it might be some aliens. Oh, <laughs> they want to come and invade us. You know? Some aliens elsewhere now. When have any of these aliens that they claim? Ha- have they enslaved our people? Have they raped our women? No, sir. Oppressed us, denied no, sir. us justice? No, sir. No, sir. See how they try to do it? Hell, have you ever even seen any of these aliens just out and about at the gas station? Yeah. Look uh, look here, bro. Um, Can you help me out with a few a little change, man? I'm trying to get some gas to get back to Jupiter. <laughs> you know, they got our minds so messed up, man, that we become taken totally away from reality. And now we're going to get to our man. That precious vision-like experience. I think I'm going to be on time, y'all. See, there's no way that people can talk about the UFO phenomena and not include the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, who is the representative of that power. (laughs) To do so, again, is outright blatant hypocrisy, negligence, stupidity. You know? So you are gonna, now what's interesting is that this is the man who Arguably, is one of the most controversial figures on the planet, right? Certainly here in America. Uh, whether you love him, hate him, like him, don't like him, you have to agree. Everybody has to agree that Minister Farrakhan is one of, if not the, most influential man, especially black man that we have today. You know, that's real. Ask the government. <laughs> but here's a man who, it seems like every opportunity he gets, every major event, he's telling the world about his connection to these crafts, his experience with these crafts. But yet, the man who's supposed to be the most controversial man that they, the enemies, his powerful enemies, deemed as the leading black anti-Semite, all of this nonsense, but you never hear them even bring up the most important part his ministry again that's negligent and you know the minister's vision like experience which took place September 17th 1985 in Mexico where during a heated controversy with the Jews that still exists today after leaving LA for that power at last forever where Jews were outside chanting for his death who do you want? Farrakhan. How do you want him? Dead. All out with it, too. Now, if any of us even remotely even hinted something like that about members of the Jewish community. Oh, my God, it's anti-Semitic. Oh, I'm triggered. But these Jewish leaders have the audacity The arrogance, the racist gall to go out and protest in front of the only black man that bears the salvation of his people, and you chanting for his death. And don't have to worry about no legal action, because the people on the police department, the ADL, the FBI, the government, you know, they're under your influence. So in 85, after leaving that environment in L.A., the minister went to to Postland, I'm assuming to get some peace of mind, and it was that fateful day when he experienced something that would change the course of history for him and ultimately the world. That's when he was taken aboard one of these smaller planes and taken to the mother wheel where he heard from and spoke with the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, a man whom the world believed was supposed to be dead. A man that the world believed had died February 25th, 1975. But yet, Minister Farrakhan receives direct instructions from his living teacher on this wheel, and the honorable Elijah Muhammad gives him information that he would, no other way he would know unless he's alive and empowered by God. He gives him information about what's taking place in the highest echelons of government and military intelligence. Among those things he shares with the minister is that the president, who was Reagan at that time, has planned a war with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And among those other things he said, he gave the Honorable Minister Farrakhan instructions to hold a press conference. And in this press conference, you tell them what I said, and after you tell them, you tell the world that you got it from me, Elijah Muhammad, on the wheel. (laughs) Mm. Mm. What's the Honorable Elijah Muhammad emphasizing? In other words, you, you let the world know, I'm alive. You thought you had me. They thought they killed him, but they killed him not. <laughs> For certain. But he was raised to be with his God. Boy, boy, boy. See, it's easy to believe it if you keep it all abstract, like it don't have nothing to do with reality. But when you see the reality of these things, now nah, it makes all the difference in the world. And you know the story, Minister Farrakhan held a press conference. He went to Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. He did exactly what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told him to and warned the world that he got it from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad on that wheel. And he closed that press conference by warning the world and the leaders by saying that before you establish, I guess I'll let the minister say it. (laughs) And that's all you can do is bear him witness. Give it up for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So, I don't know how well you were able to hear it, but he basically warned of what the world what you would see if you tried to mock. And lo and behold, everything he said happened exactly like he warned. Those wheels showed up over D.C., over Baltimore, over the other major cities. And I noticed the one thing that the press had in common. Even though they recognized that these wheels were seen over these cities, they made sure that they didn't mention nothing of the Honorable Minister Farrakhan who just told you what you was yeah. going to see. See, that's deliberate hiding. And, but they can't hide today. We're in Phoenix and one of the most famous UFO sightings took place right above your heads over here in March of 1997. <laughs> The Phoenix Lights, which y'all are no strangers to. Y'all can teach me about this one now. But you know that thousands of residents saw this huge plane over the night skies. Fife Simington was governor at the time. And he, like others, tried to give a foolish, another flap of a press conference where they tried to play it off where, you know, okay, well, let's talk about this. And they brought some dude in an alien outfit and... You know, tried to play it off, which only ticked the people off even more. Right. But after Governor uh, simington left office, he did come forth and was like, look, I have a background. I'm a pilot. I saw it. I don't know what the heck that was. Yeah. You see? But that's after the fact. Right. Right. But there's something special about this Phoenix. You know, I'm not just talking stuff now. Y'all got some something special here? And I think last night was just a small sign of the power and majesty that's right here in Phoenix. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) That's something special. Phoenix is no stranger to a lot of that UFO activity. Phoenix, geographically speaking, sits around what they call the 33rd parallel. You know those longitudinal and latitudinal lines? And this 33rd parallel around the globe is also no stranger to both UFO activity as well as other what some describe as mystical occurrences. I learned that among the numerologists, I'm not a big numerology, I'm not into all that type of stuff, I try not to follow that which I have no knowledge of, you know. Not saying it doesn't have merit, I, I just don't know. know. And I'll admit that I don't know. Yes, but among the numerologists, 33 is considered one of the most sacred numbers that they associate with divinity of utmost power. Look it up, they got some stuff where they're talking about that. So I seems, it seems to be something about this 33rd Parallel like something to this 33. I'm reminded of the Battle of Los Angeles that took place on February 25th, 1942, where Allah and his wheels came amidst a cloud to show off his power. And I just think it's interesting. I don't know all the details, but I just think it's interesting that on 33 years exact to the date, February 25th, nineteen seventy five is when the honorable Elijah Muhammad departed I don't think it's coincidental that in the world of Christianity it is believed that the Jesus that they believe in ascended after his 33rd year hello somebody and he descends upon a cloud just like we saw over the Battle of Los Angeles there was a cloud that came over Mercy Hospital February 25th, 1975 33 years exactly after that. Mm. So maybe the numerologists, who knows, maybe they owned or something. But I know that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad spoke of another man, this other fellow who would fulfill a third of that book. And it just so happened that that man was born in 1933. I'm talking about a man who fulfilled that other third of that messianic work, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. All praise is due to Allah. That's the thirty-third parallel. <laughs> See that? See how I did that? <laughs> but we're gonna go ahead and close out. Look, I did it on time. Y'all give me a round of applause, boy. Woo. And y'all let my wife know that I was not showing out, okay? But uh, she did say she's gonna get you, brother Halim, because. Uh, she didn't come this go round. So since she didn't come with me this go round, uh, she expecting a whole lot of bean pies that I'm supposed to bring back. So, you know, I'm just <laughs> ain't gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> My wife can fight, you know. But anyway, that's another, that's another story. But brothers and sisters, with all the evidence that Allah provides for us, will we continue to deny? You know, I mean, in this day and time, with what Allah has provided for us, with evidence and everything, it literally takes more energy to try to disbelieve. That's like trying to convince yourself that 5 plus 5 does not equal 10. It takes more cognitive energy to try to come up with something to keep from believing the plain truth. And that's the situation we find most of the world in right now they will do anything to try to keep from admitting that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, and the Nation of Islam is right and exact. So Allah tells us, or asks us, see, and he shows you his signs. Which then of Allah's signs will you deny? Will you be like those people in the Holy Quran? I think it was the Prophet Musa, Moses, where... They were like, I don't care what kind of signs you bring, we still ain't going to believe. It <laughs> got to a point where they were like, look, even if God came to us manifestly, we ain't going to believe. Don't be like that. Will you deny a of signs despite he's giving you overwhelming evidence? The only logical and practical thing to do is just accept the plain truth. And bear witness that there is no God but Allah who came in the person of Master Father Muhammad. All praise is due to Allah. Thank you all for listening. May Allah bless us all as I greet you in peace. Assalamu alaikum.